Greetings, my dear friends, all you artsy AFers. Thanks for tuning in again to another episode of RTAF Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. This week, my guest is Roman Villagrana. And let's just suffice it to say that this conversation is really heady. So strap in. We talk about some far out stuff. Roman goes into his story, his background coming up in Seattle in the days of grunge. We talk about interdimensionality, and I'll just leave it at that, short and sweet. And we had a busy week on the Patreon this week. Three brand new subscribers start in order. First is Alec Fale Hamilton. Hope I'm saying that middle name right, but Alec Hamilton. And you can find him at Alec Fale Hamilton underscore art on Instagram. He's out here making paintings, some cool waves with grids, look some sacred G it looks like. Thanks for subscribing, man. And then we also have Dave Heath. And you can find Dave on Instagram at Dave Heath Art. All one word there. Also making paintings. Go check him out. Very cool stuff. Looks like you've been schooled in the Mish technique, my friend. Keep up the good work. And last but not least, we have Ezra Aronson, who goes by Contra Scandal on Instagram. He is making music, playing the violin. He released through Gravitas Recordings recently. So big shouts to you, my friend. Thank you. And thank you to all the patrons. Every one of you, we're approaching uh, 20, which I guess is some kind of milestone. And getting closer every day to that $1,000 per month goal that I have for myself. With that, I'd be able to easily cover all my living expenses. But more importantly, what I would do with that money is uh, be able to pay my man, Andrew Size, to edit the audio and video of this podcast. That's what I'm shooting towards. And I hope you all can continue to help me out. Been feeling good about everything. And I just really appreciate it so much. And y'all need to know that. Wouldn't be doing this without positive feedback and support from, I mean, mostly people that I know, which is really awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's jump right into this episode. Here is Roman Villagrana. Really appreciate you taking time today. Um, Thank you. Yeah, how you been? Congrats on uh, congrats on the birth of your newest child. Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, it's really amazing because uh, when her mom and I um, were connecting, uh, we both saw a little girl in our visions, mm-hmm. and I I was not necessarily trying to deny the vision, but I couldn't. Um, help but express that fact as well yeah yeah which kind of scared me at first i was like oh great another kid but <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask you it would do you did you feel like you were ready for that uh this is my fourth child right right uh, 
and I don't think, uh, um, I do speak of some people that I feel like they're very uh, evolved families and uh-huh. they even plan these things. Yeah. Um, uh, but as far as for me, uh, including my art, uh, I never know what's going on necessarily. <laughs> and, um, right. I just try and um, be humble as much as I can. And then presence is the key. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. Um, since this is our, uh, our first podcast date, um, I'd love to know about your, your backstory, like how you got into art. Um, maybe the beginnings of tribe 13 and, and living in Seattle at that time. Yeah. Those are, um, I've had wonderful experience all throughout my life, but the Seattle experience definitely will always be the iconic beginning for me. Mm-hmm. But um, my real beginning, though, uh, goes all the way down to being um, uh, three years old. Mm-hmm. That I I, um, I precisely remember being turned on to art. Really? Because before, yeah, before being an artist, um, I was a magician. Mm-hmm. I was uh, <laughs> a little a little boy trying to make things disappear. Nice. And I really um, was, because I saw the act, you know, and you're impressed by, you know, like the so-called magicians, you know. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it has a way of uh, entrancing us. And I was entranced by that at a very super young age, and I remember that, trying to make things appear and disappear. Yeah. And then one day, um, my one of my older sisters came home uh, from school and she brought this huge pad, a drawing pad. Uh, now that I think about it, it might have not been that huge. Maybe I was just really small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I remember it being really huge. Right. And um, uh, there was a, she turned the page to a girl in a bikini. Okay. And I was like, well, that's a girl in a bikini. And then uh, she turned the page and there was a, a crocodile. And I was <laughs> like, wow, that's a crocodile. And I, at that instance, I knew that art was real magic because it was just lines on a flat two-dimensional piece of paper, but I could see the reality it was conveying. Yeah. And that was making things appear. And that was when I was three years old. So I, at that moment, I considered myself an artist precisely. Nice. So you you knew, like, were you able to, like, articulate it in words uh, in terms of, like, Oh, I'm an artist. I'm a I'm a image maker at that young age, or did that come a little bit later? Well, that uh, well, fast forward, it, it all comes to a head in Seattle. Okay, but but from that point uh, through my upbringing, I always considered myself an artist, even though I did doodle a lot, I drew a lot, and um, but oftentimes I didn't. But I still considered myself an artist. I was more like a dreamer. I was a dreamer in school. Yeah. I was a I was dreaming everywhere, but I always considered myself an artist because I felt like being an artist was uh the the label for a dreamer. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't have the influence around me as far as uh doing art. Sure. Uh so I feel like I developed later in my action of doing artwork even though I always um was a better drawer than most kids in my school and that was always my angle for friendships and such 
and uh, sports too early on. Mm. Uh, as everyone started to outgrow me, that started to change. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. I, w- I think I was probably a little bit more influenced by like the pressures of just other friends who were playing sports. And I mean, I enjoyed them, but, but eventually, you know, I came to realize like, I don't, you know, I don't like practicing in the heat two times a day and I'd rather just be creating things or creating jokes with my friends or, you know, dreaming, as you said, basically. Exactly. But the funny thing is during those times, uh, well, speaking for myself, mm-hmm. I don't have the influence of another artist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't uh, either. I, uh, my best friends were jocks, uh-huh. uh, but I was friends with everybody, but, uh, I definitely was always attracting, um, uh, I, uh, the alpha people for some odd reason, because I would mm. never felt like I was, sure, um, sure. but for some reason I always ended up hanging out with, uh, the popular kids and, um, my other friends that weren't so popular, the stoners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, I was always going in between everybody and, uh, they were always in question of that. And I was just being an artist, but yeah. I just didn't know exactly what that was. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I wish I could nail this quote, but there's some sort of quote that's like, uh, it's something along the lines of like, beware of artists. They can move and be comfortable in any like point in the hierarchy or point in the like social strata. Completely correct. And then this is a a foreshadowing the future and foreshadowing our destiny, I believe, Mm -hmm. because here on earth, uh, we're all destined to be artists. Um, we're all interdimensional beings and we're, we go beyond the boxes that we create ourselves in. And uh, the boxes that we've created ourselves in is uh, creating destruction mm-hmm. and all the ills that we're dealing with at the moment and always have. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody's an artist, whether they realize it or not, because if an artist is someone who just creates something, then just by living your life, you're an artist, right? Because you're creating situations in your life. You're creating your, you're creating through words, even if you just speak them, even if you don't necessarily write them down. And I think that's part of, part of my goal with this project here is to, is to like low key convince anyone who listens, like wrap them up in this whirlwind of the idea that like they too are an artist. And if they don't want to, you know, if they're uncomfortable with that label or whatever, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 just thinking of like life as like your creation or your project, I think is very helpful. Well, it's very challenging uh, because we're, we're uh, scratching the surface of a multidimensional subject. Yeah. And um, uh, um, language has its limitations. So calling ourselves artists might be limiting or it might scare people mm-hmm. to accept that. Um, but that's just it. Uh, uh, what we're talking about, I feel, is uh, a really deep healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've really um, uh, put ourselves in a very vulnerable situation of uh, uh, judging ourselves by the external reality. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is being the opposite of an artist. That's a reactionary. And we're all reactionaries. Uh, and we, what we're really needing to learn, though, is that we are all needed and wanted 
and nurtured so the inside of ourself comes out into the world and mm -hmm. that is being an artist for the sake of a better word uh true human being really yeah 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 um, yeah I, this, I struggle uh, with that actually a lot of times I, and i think it's i think it's like outside influences or like the externalities of of things just coming at you nonstop, you know they're the miracle of our existence. It's mm -hmm. the beauty of the world. Mm -hmm. But it's so beautiful and so miraculous that we associate ourselves as being us. That is not the truth. The truth is that we are feeding into that. Mm -hmm. And we're gifting into that. And every single problem that exists on earth is the consequence of believing otherwise. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like touches on the subject of ego or like the sense of self that we all have. And um, have you had any, was was there any sort of like transpersonal moment or, or was it just a, a slow kind of like a slow burn for you in terms of like coming to these realizations? Uh, it was um, definitely there was a moment in time and it happened in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, it was a, 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 a fundamental awakening, and it was a psychedelic awakening. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to this moment, I, I never did any, I didn't even smoke pot. Nice. And it was when I was around 21 years old. Okay. And I was uh, enrolled in the Art Institute in Seattle. And um, so I was up there for school, and mm -hmm. I barely graduated high school in this um, uh cowboy town uh to express where i'm coming from uh-huh into a, a city for the first time and um but this uh one night um really exploded my understanding into almost everything i feel like i'm still living that same day um interesting but that being said it also awakened me to all the times in my life prior to that that were very mystical, like being an artist, like we were speaking about, but we didn't have other people to relate to. Mm -hmm. I didn't have other people to relate those mystical experiences that I had growing up, uh, other than religious, um, my religious upbringing that did touch upon that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I always felt like I was a religious person up until that moment. Um, in a weird way, I think I became more religious afterwards in my own way. Right, but right. before that, I gave credit to my external uh, belief system that was trying to be given to me. Right. But it was that moment that I awoke, and um, it changed everything at that moment. Nice. Um, can you give us? A, can you give me a little more like context around that? I, I just like a lot of times I like stories. You know, I think that um, that's what we're best at being humans and all is, is telling stories in various different ways, whether it's through images or through words. Um, but what were you doing? Who are you hanging out with? Um, was it like a, a rave or something? That's just me throwing, no, throwing nope, something out there. Nope. Uh, the rave, <laughs> raves came afterwards and okay. I was very lucky to, uh, I, I consider my life very magical, mm -hmm. uh, because, the moment that I experienced this was uh, extremely miraculous, including doing the psychedelic. Uh, right before that, 
uh, I was doing these paintings, um, Native American paintings, mm-hmm. because I was uh, really into spirituality. And I, I definitely was uh, earnest in wanting to know more uh, and commune more with God. That's always been my case ever since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, very adamant about it, but at the same time, very free spirited too, not uh, trapped by any of those things as well. Mm-hmm. But Native American ideology kind of entranced me because it was touching upon that. Mm-hmm. And it was up from the earth and all of that. And I kept on uh, wanting to go on a vision quest because I started learning more what vision questing was. And I was becoming an adult and learning uh, about all these things. And I was like really desiring a need for this vision quest. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, as we all are surrounded by uh, friends that have um, experimented with drugs already mm-hmm. uh, by then. Um, my friend says, you should try psychedelics. I'm like, you know, I was almost anti-drugs at that by at that point, yeah. literally, because I, I I grew up with a lot of friends that got into trouble, and I was always a, a sheltered, sensitive kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though they were my friends too, I never really partook. Yeah. Um, but um, I started opening up to these things, and I was on the couch, and this is the beginning of the miraculous moment. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the couch in my apartment, downtown Seattle, pondering this thing, and my door opens, and this guy I never met walks into my apartment. Obviously, it was college, and we have people coming in and out, so it's kind of like uh, whatever. But he came in, and he pointed at me with a a flow and says, I heard you are looking for acid. (laughs) And I was like, uh... I didn't know what to do, but I'm a, I love people. So I'm like, oh, this is weird. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. yeah. So I took him out to, um, uh, pizza. Okay. To talk about it. Nice. So we're talking about it so I can learn more about it. And he was explaining this. And then, um, then I realized we both realized that we met each other in Eastern Oregon in the middle of nowhere. Really? Uh, a few years ago, uh, prior Whoa. random. Whoa. So this was the beginning of this synchronistic event mm-hmm. that was happening. And it happened before even taking the, the, the acid. Right. Right. And, um, and then that day I met two other friends that would become, uh, uh, really super close friends and roommates for years to come that night. They were skateboarding and we said, Hey, you want to join us on this experiment? experience and then uh they said sure they said yes which is re- it was just this vibration that just sucked us all into this moment and um yeah i i we took it we started ex- um experimenting we didn't really feel much at first like typical and then i remember the wood the grain of the wood starts vibrating yeah and i start hearing uh beetle music because that uh that's something that I'm familiar with. Right. You know, very psychedelic. And, and in the back of my mind, I kept on thinking to myself, I knew it. I <laughs> knew it all along. There was something else that was reaching me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was the, uh, the beginning. And I started seeing how everything I learned from religion was true, but it was being conveyed from an external source out of control. Right, right. And I instantly saw that, and I was—I had a job up until that moment. Yeah, that was the last time I actually had a job. 
really uh, a, a so-called uh, job. Right, right, right. right. I've, I've worked after that, but I worked as an artist where projects, uh, creative projects, and uh, I really um, w- took my uh, earnest desire to commune with God. God stimulated more by that moment of really giving myself 100% with faith into that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I want to touch back on how that, that moment was sort of actually started in the past when you and that guy had randomly met each other in Eastern Oregon. And, uh, it, it just makes me think of like how we experience time and how, I don't know, maybe the rational part of our brain says that it's just linear, but really like if you, if you really look into the experience of time, it's like, it's kind of like cyclical or spiral. It's like one point on the spiral is sort of the same as just another point on either the inner part or the outer part of the spiral. So is this where, was this kind of the birth of the, the, um, the idea of synchromysticism? And maybe it hadn't been articulated yet, um, but was this like your first conscious experience of it? Precisely. As you know, I've chosen my name, my artist's name is Synchromystic because uh, it exemplifies that. And you're right. I started recognizing that there was this pattern, a sequence that Mm -hmm. is uh, uh, far beyond the control of any one of us. Right. Um, But we are able to participate. And that's where I started learning uh, how to commune with God. It was uh, recognizing these things. I started recognizing, well, if God has a voice, it, it, it can't be a linear dialogue or like uh, a voice out of the sky talking to me automatically, mm-hmm. uh, even though there's room for that, too, in my belief. If that happens, I go, well, this is reality. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the elements of nature uh, can provide such things. Um, sure. But it is uh, through the elements of nature that we're able to communicate because uh, communication is uh, made from the elements and from the, the, the tools that are physical around us, mm. like uh, auditory vibration and such. Yeah. Um, that being said, I started to recognize that there was a pattern. When I'm thinking inside, uh, externally, the universe starts reacting with me. And I started to tap into this. And that was the beginning of the synchro mystic path that I was on. I didn't even know what synchronicities were at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this language came to me when I was uh, uh, first handedly talking my experience to people and people orally were teaching me everything. Mm-hmm. And I can that the voice of God was the random people uh, talking to me. Sometimes it was a bum on the street and, uh, a junkie or, or sometimes a prestigious person that I would randomly get to <laughs> hang out with. Uh, and that has, uh, Seattle nurtured that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a healthy way to look at life. And I know that, I know that Ram Das I think talked about that, like trying to see everyone as just a, a reflection of the divine and trying to see like you know, trying to learn from people, whatever they have to offer you. It's really strange uh, having a um, uh, an interview dialogue on a subject because you touch on things from the future and the past. And uh, 
what you're just bringing up here is something to do with what I want to talk about later in our talk, because it's more precise to the art movement. But I feel like that is our job as artists, visionary artists, or whatever uh, label you want to name yourself being a, a true artist. And that is we're, we're here to dissolve um, boundaries and we're here to help uh, nurture an open mind to allow uh, contradictions to coexist. Nice. And I really do believe that that is our job as artists. And we don't have to be so serious about it with a, uh, an intent to tell you something. Right. But just by, by, by being, um, it, it automatically starts doing that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like um, coincidencia positorum. You heard that phrase before? Or just like just sitting and letting contradictions same things that seem like contradictions kind of resolve themselves into like uh, the yin yang for la lack of a better idea at the top of my head, but it's, it's, you know, dark and light, all these, these dualities and contradictions actually turn out to be just two sides of the same thing, sort of like dancing with each other. And, um, Precisely. yeah, yeah. I love talking about that. And, um, well, that's the way we try. Uh, we can time travel that way. Hmm. Um, we can pick a moment in time, and we recognize something that happened, like the atom bomb. Yeah, uh, a negative thing, and then we ask ourselves, "What is the positive thing?" LSD. <laughs> right. And then we can go into that dimension by splitting those things apart and recognizing and going into that. So, if you have a, a an art history book. Mm -hmm. um, artists, what we do is leave portals, portals through, through different times and spaces. So with an art history book in our hand, we can travel uh, the human consciousness. Nice. By separating, by going into those portals, separating the good and the evil, uh, bad yeah. at that moment. Uh, and we're able to, uh, in, a, in a meditation, able to go into those spaces. Mm -hmm. This is not physical time travel. Sure, uh, sure. This is more um, mental. Mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Um, so I want to kind of circle back um, to your time in Seattle. You had just had this um, experience that showed you a lot of things. And so you did you have like a, you know, job at that point that you just, did you like quit the next day? Were you? I never went back, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you yeah. knew that you wanted, oh, you were already in art school. That's right. That's I right. was in art school already. So I had, uh, I had a, uh, a connection, mm -hmm. um, but it was still kind of scary. But at the same time, I knew in my heart that I really, uh, I couldn't go on or accepting this, this thing. And I also come from, um, uh, um, a struggling family background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, and at the same time, I grew up with a satellite dish. Uh, so I was able to witness a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. something I've seen. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I, I got downloaded with all these uh, lifestyle influences, and and I was looking at my own family, and then looking at that, and I'm like, this is not, this is not for me. Right. Uh, so I was always trying to. Um, really not allowed to be controlled because I hated that as most people do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, and it's not that easy to um, um, relinquish that control of an external perception of you. 
Definitely. But, uh, but this awakening made me see those shackles. And I instantly like, this is what I'm against. And I instantly will start right now. Wow. That's awesome. That's, um, that's such a bold commitment, you know? And do you think that that's what that experience was asking of you? Or you just knew that like, you just couldn't go back. You couldn't turn back around. That's what it was asking of me. And I had very dear friends during that time that were witnessing me go through this for years. And I was brought back um, things to them. And I was, I have to give them a lot of uh, credit, respect, and love because it really allowed me uh, with their um, connection and their love for me to feel comfortable enough to lose myself mm-hmm. and go out into these experiences. But um, the synchronicities, I started to understand more uh, from that experience and I would give myself more into the synchronicities. And uh, a lot of people thought that I was doing a lot of psychedelics, but I wasn't because I, if I would do it once, first I would prepare myself for days mm-hmm. and then I would do it in a deep meditation. And then days after I would act it out nice. um, on, on very, very long walks uh, through downtown Seattle and such. Okay. So I got to remember these two things. Um, first of all, you talk about long walks and I just read a, a quote from uh, Werner Herzog, you know, the documentarian he he did like grizzly man and some other like documentaries but he said uh he walked i think from somewhere in uh germany to somewhere in france and he said that the world reveals itself to those who travel on foot is did you find that to be true in in your experience 100 percent 100 percent. not only because uh you're for you're putting yourself firsthand in uh communing with nature Mm mm-hmm um, but you're also exercising your left and right hemisphere of your brain and your body. Yeah. As you're shifting back that. and forth. Um, all that coupled together, uh, with right intent and meditation, um, you witness the whole, uh, reality shift. Uh, you start seeing that the reality you were just look, viewing is not the same. <laughs> right. It, it instantly changed in front of your eyes. Right. Right. Just by virtue of, of moving around directly with with your own feet on the earth or you know with a small little shoe or something in between but yeah that's i found that profound and speaking of synchronicities i just listened to that interview where i sort of like extracted that quote from just yesterday so here we are deep in it um so i think everybody's familiar with the term oh wait one more thing before I forget. I'm I'm getting good at, at these memory games now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's early 90s, right? You're in Seattle and you decide to just go all in on the art. This is long, long before even the internet really took hold as a as a structure we, we envisioned the yeah. internet. <laughs> <laughs> right, we right. created it. <laughs> right, right. And I'm, uh, not, I'm half, half joking, half. Right, right. I mean, I mean, we could talk about the history of the internet, but let's maybe we'll say that for another time. What I'm curious about is how how were you able to support yourself um, 
in that time. What was it like being an artist back then? Because I think most of my listeners, or a lot of them, are uh, my age or younger. I'm 36. In like, we'll say 93, I was eight years old. Um, so what was it like back then to to sort of support yourself as an artist? I have no clue. <laughs> I had, in the end, I had no clue. Yeah. Um, uh, I was not an artist. Uh, working. Okay. Um, I was more of a seeker, 100%. Uh, I would trade for food. I always had a place to live. Um, how that happened, I'm still, uh, it happened because of love. Yeah. And supportive friends. Nice. And I would, I would always bring gifts. Um, I would always meet people that could uh, provide a lot. Um, and they were attracted because of the magic that was happening. Uh, and that's what I was living for. I was searching for God, as I was saying, and, uh, not in the sense, and I, I hate to say it that way because a lot of people use their, 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 their understanding of that. And it puts an image to it, but you have to be very careful not to do that. Right. Um, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those words that you know, I think the term is, is jingle where you say the word and very different definitions pop up in almost everyone's head, you know, like God, God, especially. But all those things are important because I have this thing called the eight steps to synchronization. It's my pattern of understanding. And the fourth is uh, belief. uh, Mm -hmm. Um, So all those things are, are, are true. All those perceptions, all those uh, realities, uh, however contradictory they may be, they're all beliefs, including science, including being an uh, atheist. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are all your chosen belief. Um, People oftentimes get hung up in the externalization of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, And like the words uh, being an atheist or uh, Christian. Right. Uh, But in, in the root of it is a decision. That's mm-hmm. all it is. You're making a decision. And if somebody's contradicting that, just know that they're making a decision too. They're not any better or worse. They're just making, including the science people, uh, even though uh, science would have to take a, a high seat in so-called reality because they're um, scientifically approaching reality with tests and you can't deny those things. Right. But as some of us know, there's much more than this, the physics of this reality. Right. And even, even looking deep, deep into physics, things start to sort of just everything fall will. apart or like come together in ways that we didn't expect. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which brings us to uh, the future, which is to me, uh, the, my conversation, my mission, my art, uh, my interviews, everything is the end. Re- the end result is interdimensional existence. Okay. That's the destiny of humankind. Nice. Like you were uh, uh, talking, like maybe sometime we can talk about uh, the history of the internet. Yeah, yeah. But you also have to recognize that the linear and nonlinear dimensions and the perceptions uh, and what's creating what is a nonlinear thing uh, right. trying to trying to orchestrate us to this moment. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, like things can flow backward as well as as forward, like causally even. Yeah, well, that was one of the, I mean, I've had many uh, deep uh, experiences because you were asking me about the first first one, mm-hmm. but I've had a lot of first ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this one time that I re- I'm remembering right now, um, I did come back from the future. Um, and it was really intense. I can tell you that story. Yeah, what was the future like? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the whole story because okay, it's yeah. not really about the future. Okay, okay. Um, uh, I consolidated everything pretty quick. But um, we're, we, um, it was the equi- spring equinox. Yeah. And I wanted to trip again because uh, I was the tripper of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And my, at this point, my friends weren't really into doing it every so often. Mm-hmm. But this time, like, well, uh, backpedal. Okay. Um, I, I told my friends there's going to be a double rainbow because I was working on prophecies now. Okay. Because if everything's nonlinear, there, there's a way to get in there and profess things. Sure. So I told my friends there's going to be a double rainbow on the spring equinox. And it was um, the day before the spring equinox, and there was a double rainbow outside our window. <laughs> nice. But, but uh, talking about the future, we realized that it was actually the equinox that day. Okay. We were, so it was like this weird thing, but I think, uh, I think, uh, God made my ego not so big that we believe that was the uh, day before. Yeah. yeah. These are real, real experiences. Uh, um, so then my friend said, I guess we're doing acid. <laughs> they, <laughs> they couldn't believe it. So we had these sugar cubes and, um, and we had three of us. And then there was this other fourth friend and says, Hey, you want to do some sugar cubes? And he said, sugar cubes. Sure. Later he told me he didn't think that it was <laughs> acid. So he was in on the ride, not knowing we were doing this. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. started really tripping out. Yeah. Yeah. But we're playing this game Jenga. Oh yeah. Okay. We're like, everybody's doing their thing. And then halfway through it, we're starting to really get lit. Mm-hmm. And we started really focusing and it started getting really high because we're really focused. And then uh, I remember it was the 32nd uh, level. Yeah. And the next one was 33. 33 was always my number of synchronicity. That's what led me to understand more of the language of God was right. 33. Right. And, I, and, um, and, and synchronistic to that was this 33rd piece. And as I was like nervously pushing it in there, all of a sudden I felt that void of friction yeah, yeah. in any direction. And of course it didn't fall over because I was perfect balance. Right, right. But uh, an explosion happened in my mind. <sighs> as I exploded, it was like the big bang. And I saw the beginning of time as I was falling back on toward the couch in slow motion. I saw the entire history of humankind. And as I was uh, uh, close to falling, it ended up where we were at. Mm-hmm. And then I kept on falling towards the couch. It kept on going to the future until it crashed on the, on, on the couch. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, what I saw, the future of Earth turning into a 12-pointed star. Oh, wow. So that's the future. Yeah. that's uh, yeah. That's got to have some, like, geometric symbolism in there, right? 100%. And I didn't know anything about this. And uh, 
uh, sacred geometry didn't, uh, the, the vocabulary didn't really come more established till way, way later. Yeah. And that's precisely it. And then as I was laying there, I look over to my right and it was this um, book, The Way of the Seated Earth by Joseph Campbell. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, that was heavy. And I just like, I need to distract myself for a second. I opened up this thing and it says, the four experiences you can have on LSD. And I was like, <laughs> I opened it up and it's about agriculture. Ah. And this little paragraph is in the book because later I had to check, recheck. I had to fact sure, check sure, all my sure. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it was talking about the Grateful Dead. And then I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Uh -huh. Out of nowhere, I just opened it up, started reading this. And the fourth uh, thing was explaining what I was experiencing. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. And I close it. And um, later of that experience, I started seeing how we were creating um, – the universe from that room, we were like the forefathers. Mm -hmm. There was four. Yeah, yeah. And each one of us was the four cardinal points through our horoscopes. Mm -hmm. All these things unraveled days later when I redigested the whole experience. Yeah. So that's um, the beginning of me understanding the future of being a, a interdimensional thing, because what led up to that point was um, the boundaries dissolving. And all of us um, uh, becoming one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw the internet happen. Uh, I, we were already understanding that this was happening anyway. We're in Seattle with Microsoft and yeah, all yeah. these companies. Yeah. We were already foreseeing this, this thing. Uh, cell phones just barely came out uh, during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, my mind uh, took my psychic connection, my third eye awakening, into this grid that was going around the Space Needle as a network. And, uh, and the more of the future we got, the more the internet became and the more the grid became. And then the more we started understanding that we're more than this monitor that, uh, we can download any page in our bodies. Yeah. Um, uh, and what it was teaching me is that our destiny is, uh, interdimensional existence here on earth, which the only way that I, I could explain it to people was this. The thing called the eternal party at the end of time. <laughs> nice, nice. I like, I like putting it in such a, a simple way that's like easy for any person almost to to digest. People fight it though. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people fight a lot of things. I mean, well, you can even me. I like to be contradictory sometimes. Uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's uh duality is uh, uh good for a conversation absolutely uh, that's where uh, a guru makes sense mm -hmm. uh, a guru does help does work if a, if it's a really good guru they're there to um to have a dialogue with you as yourself yeah they externalize the inside into a dualistic yeah. uh perception yeah yeah i do it all the time in my own mind i'll have like a little cage match of like you know is this true? Is it not? And just like kind of sort of like talk to myself in my mind. Um, occasionally I don't, I don't go there all that often, no, you know, I won't hold you to that. You're not crazy. <laughs> you know, um, no, I think, uh, uh, regarding, um, interdimensional existence mm -hmm. and duality thinking, mm -hmm. um, we, to exist on this uh, plane, we have to be dualistic. Yeah, sure. Um, day and night, male, female, even though all those things get dissected more and more because we're going into the singularity. But nevertheless, there's a shadow. 
and the like. Yeah. Um, but when I was wanting to become one with God or what to, for the sake of a, a easier language, I recognize that you take the duality instead of what I call horizontal uh, duality, which is me and you, mm-hmm. even though it might be in your head uh, to um, I and I, mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. a duality, but it's only now it's only you and God. Okay. And that's when you transcend the limits of uh, uh, this physical dimension. Interesting. I like that. Um, so I wanted to get back to synchro mysticism as as a word, as as kind of like a definition. I think most people know what synchronicity is, so I, I won't explain that. But when you combine synchronicity and or synchronicity and mysticism together, are we talking about guiding are we talking about guiding your decision making based off of synchronicities that you're looking for is that what it is that can be partly i mean yes paying attention to synchronicities definitely can help guide your um uh, perception because uh, doors open up and you're given a chance to step in Mm -hmm. yes but the more you start understanding these patterns uh you also can uh consciously uh, create synchronicities. Uh, that's what we're doing as artists. We're offering portals, and these portals uh, may be synchronistic viewing for another person mm-hmm. uh, for their understanding of themselves. Um, so the synchromistic name was uh, something that came in as words, because words come in in meditation, and I thought that was beautiful. That was an, actually another experience I had. Uh, where I was, I, I time traveled uh, into the pyramid, and uh, I was taught about uh, the word interdimensional and synchromistic, and uh, that was really one of my favorite um, visions or uh, experiences, rather. Nice, nice. That's cool. Um, I wanted to ask you. So I I scoured through your Instagram a little bit, and um, since this is a show about art, but also about words. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, grunge music and living in Seattle at that time. And I, I guess my question is, what was it about grunge that resonated with you at that time? Well, um, you know, when I was first mentioning the Beatles, mm-hmm. Uh, when I was having a psychedelic awakening. And then the more I got into it, I started recognizing that it's much more than that. And I'm like, I want to connect with what's going on now. Right. So then I would go on my paths meditating. And this is where the synchromistic part comes in. Um, people would end up finding me or I finding them on my path. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people were um, uh, some of these members from these bands. I have, a story with running into Kurt Cobain in the middle of the night. Uh, have a story of stage diving into a Soundgarden concert that I didn't even know was going on uh, a minute before. Yeah. Um, uh, all these were um, things that happened on my my meditating walks of opening up myself, uh, praying really hard for these things to come, and uh, those things did come and. Uh, to me, uh, I feel like 
what I was personally doing, I was uh, opening up the, the, the collective third chakra. I mean, third eye. Okay. And uh, the grunge movement of that time to me represented the fifth chakra. And I was lifting up the vibration and uh, my symbologies that I was utilizing was the space needle. So I was bringing in this vibration through the space needle as a, as a symbol. And it was my antenna and that antenna was creating a, a, a worldwide grid. Mm-hmm. So we were bringing this, this movement of, of consciousness into a unified field uh, and with uh, Kurt Cobain and those people at the helm with the message. Uh, and some people might not have got uh, the message, um, uh, but it was definitely there and it was very powerful. And um, it's definitely a mile marker in, in uh, popular music for me. Yeah. Uh, because um, before then it was different. Yeah. And yeah. Af- after then it was different. Right. But it's never, but that, that was where the difference became. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, like our, our, um, our invocation worked. Nice. That's crazy. You ran into Kurt Cobain. That, that was really that... crazy because uh, I was having a, a, a stomach issue. Uh-huh. Uh, I was hanging out with my friends at my house. I was having a stomach issue and I'm like, well, I got to go yeah. for a while. And he, I don't want to give anything away, but if you know anything about Kurt Cobain, he had stomach issues as well. That's the, I didn't know until later. That's why I bring it up as a, one of the main points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and especially during that time, because it was his uh, uh, darkest heroin days. Yeah. Um, this is where I pieced that part together later. Looking back, I'm like, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, uh, when I left, you know, we're all familiar with him, his silhouette on stage with the stage lights, right? With mm-hmm. his pants and everything. I left my house and I, I saw the, the street lamp and this guy walking and it looked exactly like Kurt's silhouette right and i was like that's kurt cobain uh whatever <laughs> and then i laugh and i go down the stairs and i'm walking and this person comes up to my face on the other street and it was him <laughs> nice and i was like talk, we were talking um and i don't remember too much except this one thing is like uh in my painful motions uh, uh i was saying i just want to help uh heal the world and he looked at me and says, the world's already healed. And it really hit me very profound. Um, obviously, we have issues. He had issues, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, I had issues. So it was kind of hard to understand. But to this day, I totally understand that it, that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at him as God or anything for telling me that. But it was this honest reflection uh, of presence. Like he, too, wanted to do the best and he did a fucking miraculous job yeah with his message um so yeah that was one instance of many that's so cool um yeah grunge had a had a big impact on my life as well i think it was because like i'm not exactly old enough to have had an opinion on the music before that or like the whole kind of like milieu of musical acts going on before that but like looking back a lot of it was like late 80s sort of like vapid pop stuff going on and very glitzy and 
you know, it was like the height of American, uh, uh, what would pop. you call it? Yeah. <laughs> pop and, and, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And, and then grunge comes along and just like, you know, sort of kicks that stuff to the side and, and, uh, it's just re I just, you know, you can't deny its realness, whether you like the style of it or not. It's like a lot of realness. And, um, and it did change after that too. I think, I think this happens in a, a lot of ways in our world, like something really special pops up, something really genuine. And then people with interests find it and they reconquer it for their own commercial ends or yeah. Consumerism, commercialism, all that kind of thing. Um, but, but yeah, it's a sacrifice. Um, and, and that was shown in many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. Self-sacrifice for the grandest good though, at the end of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too, that the, that the world is already healed. I think that's so cool. Um, because again, it gets back to the, Non-linearity, non-linear. How would I say that? Non-linearness. Yeah, yeah, that's a really hard word to say. Never trying it again. Um, of time, right? I like the interdimensional. Interdimensional, yeah, aspect of like time and space. Um, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that story. Oh man, my favorite, my favorite stories. Like I said, um, come from there and. Uh, other ones are just as special and some like random ones like uh blind melon oh, nice. they were my they were my favorite band but uh it was a funny experience because i was after uh allison chain show nice. um me and my friends were there and we were always super ripped and my eyes back then would get blood like <laughs> they, they look like they're bleeding yeah but, uh shannon hoon from the blind melon said you look like you're stoned I'm like, oh yeah, come on, come over to our apartment. So they all came over to our apartment and says, we're here in Seattle to record our first album. It's going to be huge. I'm like, okay, cool. A couple <laughs> months later, they're all naked on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's rad. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, this might be a bit hubristic of me to think, but I think that's part of the reason why I started the podcast too, is I feel like um, artists in Denver and and just, you know, you're in California just kind of the same like tribe vibe artists like us. 100%. I wanted to document it. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad you're doing it. It's really important. Like, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm trying to do that as well. Um, yeah. because it's, it's too much of a special moment to give up. And honestly, us artists, we really need it. Yeah. We really need this, um, external dialogue with, uh, with each other. Mm-hmm. So other people can recognize themselves. Right. It's not like we're trying to put ourselves above other people, but just having a, an honest conversation, a fun conversation between each other really stimulates uh, a self-awareness mm-hmm. in other people. And that is the mission. That, that's always been the mission. And it's not, um, I know that you're a wonderful, awesome artist, uh, but it's not limited to being an artist. Right. Right. Uh, there's, uh, we can be art curators, podcasters, uh, the beautiful thing is our movement for the sake of a better word, because our movement, it's everybody, right. everybody can have a visionary experience, or at least they deserve the right to have that. We have plenty of people to, um, talk to and talk about, right. We are super blessed. 
And if we are persistent with these things, um, we really might help uh, the collective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really do. We are. We believe we are. But as far as the, the, the reality that seems like far gone, if they latch on, there's so much for them. You could start listening, and before you know it, you're going to die happy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. all the time got swept up by all these great artists. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just like 20,000 hours or whatever of just exactly. conversation. Yeah, that's, you know, to quote Ram Das again, uh, we're all walking each other home kind of thing. And um, I don't know if, if this will heal the world or, or anything like that, but it can definitely like um, act as a, maybe a the world. analgesic or, or, you know, just something to take the, the load off every now and then. But and, you, you, you are the world. Yeah, sure. You know, you are like, you just taking this action is already done it. Mm-hmm. You know, now we just have to act it out and walk. And, but we already saw it. It already happened. So now yeah, we just yeah. have to open ourselves and allow it to, to unfold. Yeah. That can be the tricky part sometimes though, too. Very much so. Because like I was saying in the beginning, we start attaching ourselves to the externalization. Right. Yeah. Like the, the pedals unfurling and then we die with the pedal. Yeah. Instead we identify being, with the pedal instead of the Instead of being the action. blossom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it. Um, let's see. I have a couple more notes here. Oh yeah. Let's actually talk about your work. Um, I know we sort of got into, you know, your whole take on reality, which I think is, is a pretty healthy take. I really love it. It's you're like helping me sort of, I'm feeling like more grateful and just like a little bit more at ease talking to you. Um, so thanks for that. Um, but I also wanted to ask you like, what is it that you're trying to uh, convey, if anything, uh, in your work? I'm on the quest to the eternal party at the end of time. <laughs> nice. That's what I'm trying to convey with my art. Um, on the path there um, uh, is to externalize that message. And um, I'm a person that doesn't want to define the that for you because... That's your gift. Mm. That's your gift to to define, uh, not for yourself, for us. It's your expression. Uh, that's why I created Tribe 13 um, in the beginning. And I even, uh, I kind of um, hesitate to say I created because what I'm talking about predates the, the gallery. And uh, okay. but the, the term Tribe 13 Um because I would have to give credit to so many people for the actual Tribe 13 movement. That's a wonderful phenomenon that has yeah. occurred and keeps occurring. And shout out to Jennifer Ingram yeah, primarily yeah. for sustaining that. Um, but the idea to me that I'm trying to convey with my art uh, in a nutshell would be Tribe 13. And that is uh, uh, the new culture of Earth, um, the new humanity. Um, and using the word culture after listening to Master Terrence McKenna, mm. saying, your friend, I completely 100% agree with him. 
Right. But at the same time, these are our languages to communicate with each other. Sure, sure. Um, so I use it in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and to create a, uh, a new platform that exists already. It's yeah. not I'm creating this. It's just becoming more aware of this uh, new humanity that is birthing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I really want to convey with my art. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think just to get back to culture in general, I've sort of, of course, huge fan of McKenna, probably listened to him more than, you know, any anybody. He's just so fun to listen to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, he, he the culture is not your friend thing. Like I was, you know, really, really on board with that. But I also like see the value in culture sometimes too. Like it's, it's, no, it, it, he's talking the same thing we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the externalization, the mm -hmm. model, yeah, trying yeah. to fit into the model, right. trying to chase the dollar or the car or the girl mm -hmm. model. Um, those forms of the culture are not your friend. Right. Right. Uh, but culture created by the offering of oneself. If everybody's offering their creativity and a, a, a culture automatically is based on that because all of it is that right. except that we're being ran by um, by visions of, of an external external reality uh, as an illusion to chase after, which mm -hmm. is not real. Right. It's fake. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think like a ground up culture is is really from oneself, from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see, we've, we've covered a lot. This has been great. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you, what does the term art mean to you in its broadest and or most precise sense? Uh, well, offering. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, one thing that I always go to like, uh, here in the United States, especially, but everywhere, we're all striving to be free and we boast freedom. Um, but here, specifically in the US, uh, a lot of people convey freedom as the freedom to choose between things. And I think that's far from being a free individual. Mm -hmm. um, to me, uh, freedom means offering. If you're not offering, you're not a free person. If you believe yourself to be free because you have the, the right, uh, the, uh, the means to achieve uh, the choices that you want, uh, only means that you're a good consumer at, yeah. at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about this quote that I found on your Instagram, but you just broke it down perfectly there. Um, the quote was, freedom is not a choice, it is an offering. And I didn't exactly understand that. I thought what you meant was that like life is offering you freedom, but no, you yeah, are offering life. Life, freedom. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're not, then you're not free. Because what? How could you? How could you eat all that freedom yourself? Yeah. Which goes yeah. back to something I wanted to uh, mention earlier about ego. Um, uh, when I was trying to understand what that word meant in the beginning, mm -hmm. and. Um, because we can't go beyond our ego and the people that strive to be non-ego people, I consider that very egotistical. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh spiritual so, materialism, right? 
Yeah, but uh, but it still exists. So I'm like, how do I deal with it? The right. term, and I, I broke it down into two things. Uh, one is to feed your ego, which is your classic uh, view of what ego is in most people. Right, right. right. Like you deserve this, you know, uh, you know, and all those kind of things. Or you express your ego. This is not who I really am, but these are the tools I've gathered to express myself, and I try and do the best I can in my offering. Mm-hmm. And that's still not you necessarily, your spiritual being. Right, right. Uh, you're much more than that, but that is your ego, and you're offering it instead of trying to feed it. Ah. And that's the distinction. That's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I think freedom is a is a tricky subject, though. You know, like. Um, I don't know that there's so many constraints on even like who, who we are as people, or there's a lot of seeming constraints on that, that it's, it's hard for me to, uh, to consider freedom like anything, but this sort of like promise of, of something better because we're, we're bound by just the constraints of the physical universe most of the time first of all and it, you know is freedom taking that's a we believe in each other, though. Hmm. that's that's the one thing that i have to add and that's one of the reasons why we should try because the yeah, more yeah. we believe in each other the more we uh we lift those constraints yeah so do you do you think humanity is moving more towards like a uh you know you talked briefly about the singularity do you think it's going to be kind of like a a hive mind or a eventual like just one giant organism with individual parts working together in harmony. Is that what you see? I don't think think, uh, any one of us can precisely express that, but uh, we can try. And I think that's our job as artists and stuff. Uh, I go back to the term interdimensional existence, which has uh, no limits, but like I touched on earlier, I I have my eight steps to synchronization that always kind of answers what I mean in a, in an eight fold view of that, because you can't really answer that in a one dimensional way. Right. Totally. Um, what are, what are those eight steps? I'd love to hear them. The eight seed words are creation, separation, realization, foundation, emanation, unification, manifestation, synchronization. Nice. And the first, when I was first uh, meditating on, on trying to figure this out, I was awaiting my first child. And I was like, I really can't live my life the way I've been living. So I have to create this pattern to, so I won't forget these okay. things. So uh, I broke it down into three easy steps, um, creation, separation, realization, and that's enough. Uh, but then I realized, oh, that's just personal. Mm-hmm. I'm much more than personal. I live in a community and family and so on. So then I have to like, uh, but my point was to make it as short as possible, as easy as possible, as short as possible, but all inclusive, uh, which would help me with my meditation, psychedelic or otherwise, because sometimes we are are flooded with uh, imagery and knowledge and these kind of things when we're having a peak moment. And uh, this, this, um, this science, for the sake of a better word, uh, allows me to uh, consolidate as much as I can while the flood is happening. Uh, I can put this information here, that information here, plug it in. Perfect. Nice. Um, 
And uh, the eight steps, uh, I'll briefly describe what they mean. Yeah. Uh, creation, you are born. You know, you're born from a point. Mm-hmm. Two, separation. Um, you become yourself from your mother, father, day and night, me and you. Mm-hmm. They start making distinctions based on your, your duality. Third is realization. You recognize yourself to be the same as everybody else, however different you are. That is the awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're much more than the, se- the separated you you were taught. Uh, now that you've moved away from your home, that you've become your own person. Mm-hmm. Or is foundation. You create uh, your belief based off your awakening. Um, and that belief could be a handed down belief like Christianity. Mm-hmm. Or atheism, or I'll create my own reality. Uh, whatever it is that you are deciding to to uh, allow as your reality, you're making that choice. Um, five is emanation. You emanate. You express your belief, who you are. This is where the art movement comes in. Being an artist, being an expressionist. Yeah. And by going outward and expressing yourself, leads you to number six, which is unification. You uh, start attracting like-minded people um, or the opposite in a, in a moment. Uh, nonetheless, it's a, a, a communion and you start uh, networking and that's where um, uh, social platforms and all that fall in. All that fall in. And seven is uh, manifestation. Uh, babies are born from people we come across. Projects are born. Uh, things uh, manifest. Um, and eight is the synchronization of manifested forms. When we get in the rhythm of manifesting and working with each other, uh, synchronicity starts happening. The universe starts recognizing you and what you're wanting to do. The reason why it's not that the reason why it happens to us is in a moment we are randomly in a synchronous moment, or we are are, are open-minded enough to ha- uh, ha- make it happen. But collectively, we're not there yet because so many people are contradicting each other, not really uh, um, dissolving the boundaries that need to be dissolved so we can really work together. And the more we learn how to work together, the more the synchronicity of the universe starts providing for us. Even though it is doing that as we speak, it's just doing it in a very uh, uh, diseased way. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of distraction going on. Distraction, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. Um, so, I have a couple more questions for you. One more is um, about scrolling through your Instagram again. I'm curious are you are you sober now? I saw a post kind of describing sobriety, and yeah, last last year I um, I took a break last year for, uh, from caffeine for five months. Nice. And at the same time, I gave up uh, uh, herb which was amazing because that's been a, uh, for many, many years. Oh yeah. Um, and then I haven't done psychedelics either and it's about a year now. Yeah. And, um, I, the um, smoking herb has been a blessing to take a break from, Mm -hmm. but the psychedelics definitely like are in the back of my mind always. (laughs) Um, but uh, my systems of understanding allow me to be psychedelic. Uh, sure. Like I said, that's why I created the eight steps of synchronization because I can meditate on eight, eight, those eight different categories and have a, a, a psychedelic moment. And um, 
the other thing is um, I don't really agree with chasing a psychedelic or any other kind of high. Um, yeah. I don't, I think that's a misuse of all that. Mm-hmm. I really do believe in the reality that we are tapping into. Uh, and that does not ex- exclude anybody uh, if you're high or not. Um, so just because we don't partake doesn't mean that we can't do the work to bring those visions forth or that language forth. Um, but we have to be really um, careful not to sound like you're opposing psychedelics or opposing anything for that matter, because that's the lesson of the psychedelic is the, 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 the disillusion of boundaries. Yeah. And uh, that includes doing the thing itself because uh, we're tapping into a, a reality. Many people might not believe that, but I believe that. And if that is true, then I, it's my birthright to be psychedelic. Absolutely. Uh, uh, without doing anything just by being, I'm a human being. I'm an artist. I'm psychedelic. Right. Your mind made, right. That's what psychedelic yeah, exactly. technically means. It's like free. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I've, I've taken a break from herb once or twice in the past, I don't know, decade or so. And, uh, I always feel like on fire when I do it, mostly in a positive way. But sometimes the, how would I say it? The, the frustrations are a little harder to deal with when they come along. Um, Poorly. although I tend to be like a little bit more clear, my memory is definitely, uh, way better. And I just, uh, maybe it's time to take another break, you know, whatever, whatever you feel and, uh, and, but feel it and go exactly. on with it and be yourself. Uh, but the thing is, uh, my love for cannabis is so deep. Um, she has definitely taught us, um, and I, uh, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Oh, definitely without, not. without her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, she helped um, um, catapult the visionary art movement. I could easily say that. Certainly. Um, especially from Tribe Thirteen and those kind of things. Uh, I was taught on how to distribute um, vibes the way she likes to be distributed, mm-hmm. and. With, that means openness, kindness, offering. Um, and I could talk way more on that subject. Um, but she definitely is there to show us and teach us that we're really needing to heal, congregate, and listen to the earth. Um, but that's only part of the story. And she knows that too. Uh, the rest is you're just a baby on her breast. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're gifted with this experience to blossom into but not forgetting that you're a blossom and you're an offering from her womb. Nice. Um, Yeah, I think that's a beautiful place to wrap it up. Thanks again so much, Rowan, for for joining me today. And um, (laughs) tell people where they can find you, just throw out an Instagram or a website or something like that. My Instagram is synchromystic and my, um, my website, which is in the works still is uh, synchromystic.art. Um, yeah, primarily that. And as uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you, you notice that I can't keep myself away, <laughs> but uh, I'm very thankful that I have a, a, 
a place where I can express my two cents. <laughs> yeah. And also the portal that opens up to a phenomenal amount of really good art. Yeah, right. And I cannot, I mean, when I was starting, um, it was really hard to have this conversation, mm -hmm. uh, including the art. You know, uh, they, they would always associate it to 60s art, psychedelic art. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. That's That's where we are coming from. But now we are well established. We are here. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you again. And um, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Peace. Thank you again for listening to another episode of RTAF Podcast. If you are interested in supporting the Patreon, that address is patreon.com slash RTAF podcast. And I want to thank all my patrons. You guys keep this engine running. I couldn't do it without you. Go over there and check out the tiers I have available. It includes video, uh, guest suggestions, uh, patron-only posts, and some merchandise. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those little things that help get RTAF into the consciousness of more and more people. Shout out.